This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Welcome to the Think Future Radio Show. Once again, we're coming at you live from deep, deep, deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We're talking innovation, startups, the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. It is Monday, January 12, 2015. Just got back from the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. Uh, last week, I probably should have done shows while I was there, but I was just too beat. Man, there is so much to see there, but the question is, is it worth it? I don't know. I mean, there is so much coverage of everything that happens there. So much of it that you wonder if really... It is worthwhile to go. I mean, it is pretty worthwhile to go if you have people to meet. It is pretty worthwhile to go if you don't mind long, long lines for everything. Long lines for the cabs, long lines for monorails, waiting and waiting and waiting. If you don't mind sort of the theme park, wait for two hours to get onto a ride sort of experience... Like if you're happy with the Disney World sort of thing for um, getting 30 seconds with the Oculus Rift or something like that, yeah, yeah, sure, why not go? I think the most interesting things that I saw there were from walking the show floor and just just stopping by something that looked interesting. I mean, at first I went to the planner and I planned it all out and I mapped out all the places I wanted to go see. And then when I got there, that promptly flew out the window because there was so much interesting stuff to see. But a lot of times I rely on some serendipity. I just bump into something or I walk down a hallway. I never looked at this before. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's some really interesting stuff. Now, when we talk about broad themes, I'm going to go over it in detail in some future shows. But when we talk about broad themes especially on the Internet of Things front, it's a lot about security. It's a lot about surveillance. It's a lot about looking at ourselves. I don't know. I mean, is it official? Do we love ourselves so much that we just want to look at ourselves and take pictures of ourselves and videotape ourselves? I mean, there were so many cameras everywhere. There was cameras on bookshelves. There was cameras in teddy bears. There was cameras on drones. There was cameras everywhere looking at ourselves, sitting in living rooms, watching TV. Cameras, 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 cameras. It's almost like we've built our own personal surveillance society where we want to see everything that's going on around us. And we want to see what's happening where we aren't. What's happening at work when we're not at work? What's happening at home when we're not at home? 
surveillance everywhere. What's happening over that ridge? Well, let's just send a drone up and have it take a look at it. So I just thought that was very interesting that a lot of the Internet of Things stuff has to do with surveillance. And the other thing I found interesting was that one of the things that sort of concerns me with where we're going with all this is that everything that we I've seen, everything that I saw over the last week or so on the Internet of Things front, everything, all the sensors and everything are purpose-built. They're built specifically for that case. So there's no additional sensors that could be used later on for us to come up with something interesting. I mean, you guys talk, heard me talk about the seamless world, how, you know, all these devices and every, all this network of Internet of Things and wearables are going to figure out where we're walking from this side of the room to that side of the room, blah, 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 so that it can really inform the set of big data, which can allow them to do fantastic predictive analytics and, and let things just happen automatically. Now, I'll give you an example. So there's this thing called Mother, which is this this uh, little plastic device. looks a bit like a, a bowling pin almost. It's got a little face on it, etc. And it has got these things called cookies. And the cookies are little Bluetooth sensors that attach to the Mother, and the Mother attaches to the Internet. And these little Bluetooth sensors have have the ability to detect things. And they have... And I thought, when I first read about it, I thought, well, this is cool. It has a bunch of different sensors. It can detect a whole bunch of different things. But as it turns out, these things, these cookies, as they call them, can only detect two things, temperature and motion, a little bit of movement. So it's great if you want to track your kids' ability to brush their teeth for four minutes or if you want to find out how warm it is in that room. But if you want to find out if somebody's actually... You know, walked into a room, left a room, etc. You know, whether the room is light or dark, whether the room is, well, I guess you can do hot and cold, but it doesn't have all additional sensors. It has, is like, the, like the minimum amount of sensors in order to get a subset of things done. And I'm concerned that we're not putting in enough sensors in these things that are supposed to be a little more uh, full use. As opposed to so so super purpose built, and this is a, this is something that would be more, it is more useful. It doesn't have a single purpose use. I mean, for example, you could put a cookie in each one of your children's bedrooms, and it could report exactly what the temperature is in each one of those bedrooms, or you could put it in one of your kids' backpacks, and it'll re- report the proximity of the backpack to the mother device. But like I said, the sensors are nothing in there. Plus, everything's so proprietary. It's just that. It seems that we're really, really in the early days of the Internet of Things. We're focused on specific um, tasks, mostly security, and hopefully... I mean, I, I was expecting... When I went to the... Uh, and, and, and it's consumer electronics, so there's plenty of... There's, like, vacuum cleaners. There's um, stoves. There's fridges. There's ovens. There's uh, all sorts... Uh, there were robotic vacuum cleaners. They're robotic window cleaners. But there was no integrated fridge stove. I mean, wouldn't it be great if they had a stove or you could just keep the food cool until it's ready to cook? It's like the, 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 the Internet of Things is still a little further behind, especially when it comes to home things. So, But one of the things I did see that was kind of interesting was this thing called the Apollo. And it was an Arduino-based device, 
But it wasn't just Arduino. It had a whole bunch of sensors attached to it. And the thing was pretty small. I'd say it was about half the height. It was about as long as a business card and about half the height of a business card. And when I saw something like that, I thought, that's cool. There's like that, and there's a ThingSeat device, and a few other devices. Multi-purpose Internet of Things devices, which have sensors, which can then be used to create new things. Because if you ask me, we won't see the huge increase in Internet of Things devices, wearable devices, until we have a buildable platform. Once you build a platform that allows a developer ecosystem to spring up, building these things out, that's when you're going to see a huge amount of growth. Anyways, that's it for me for today. See you next time, and until then, don't forget to think future. Future.